Luke chapter 12 and reading from verse 35. Luke 12 and reading from verse 35. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Last week we uh, began thinking about this Advent theme of uh, waiting And uh, last week we were asking the question, why are we waiting? And uh, we were looking at that passage in 2 Peter chapter 3, and you may recall that the verse we kind of zoomed in on was, but don't forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years. You remember. (laughs) And we were talking about the fact that... uh, There's a different time zone, it's God's time and not ours. We were thinking about a different way of timekeeping, God's speed and not ours. And we were thinking about a different timetable, that it was the Lord's day and not ours. And this week we continue with that uh, theme of waiting as we think about being ready and waiting. And we're looking at this passage in Luke chapter 12 about watchfulness, about being ready uh, when the master returns. I don't know whether you've uh, come across this uh, book by Adrian Plass called The Visit, uh, with the subtitle, Would You Be Ready? Uh, In it, Adrian Plass describes a church who Jesus decides to return to. And I'll just read you a little extract from it. Our church used to be very okay. We did all the things that churches do just about as well as they could be done. And we talked about our founder with much reverence and proper gratitude. We said how much we would have liked to have met him when he was around and how much we look forward to seeing him at some remote time in the future. The unexpected news that he was going to pay us an extended visit now in the present was, to say the least, very disturbing. Confident statements about the faith tended to dry up. People who usually seemed reasonably cheerful looked rather worried. Many of those who had been troubled appeared to brighten considerably. A man who had always said that the atonement was a peculiar Jewish idea became extremely thoughtful. Someone who had published a pamphlet entitled The Real Meaning of the Resurrection Myth joined the midweek prayer group and developed an open mind. Desperate folk just counted the days. 
Each of us, I suppose, reacted to the news in our own way. But I think we had in common, what I think we had in common was a feeling that the game, albeit a very sincere and meaningful game, was over. No more pretending. When he came, he would know. Commend the book to you, really interesting and challenging book about how we would respond if Jesus actually returned to the church. Would we actually be ready? Well, that's what we're thinking about this morning. Uh, Not only waiting, but being in a, a state of readiness. And so, how are we to wait? How are we to wait? Well, the first way we are to wait is that we are to wait patiently. How do we wait for God? Our attitude at this time of of waiting during Advent, the first way that we are to wait is to wait patiently. You see, the hardest part of waiting is waiting. Waiting involves time, and we don't know how long we will have to wait. Most of us are okay if we're waiting for a minute or two, but it involves a great deal of time. We tend to become impatient. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master's return. The reason why patience is needed was because these servants didn't know how long they were going to have to wait for their master to return. This is a parable that Jesus tells about a master who has gone out to a wedding banquet. And uh, in Jesus' day, in Jesus' time, in Jesus' age, a wedding banquet might last for a day, it might last for two or three days. And so there was an uncertainty about how long the servants would have to wait. And patience was required. Patience, of course, is a a fruit of the Spirit. It's a spiritual quality that God wants us to to develop. But when we're waiting, very often we get irritated, if we're honest, don't we? Um, We lose hope in the waiting. Uh, Not long before his death, uh, Henry Newman wrote a book called uh, Sabbatical Journeys. And uh, in it he tells... Uh, about some friends of his who were trapeze artists called the Flying Rudellas. And they told Newen that there is a special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. The relationship is governed by the important rules, such as the flyer is the one who lets go and the catcher is the one who catches. As the flyer swings on the trapeze high above the crowd, the moment comes when he must let go. He flings his body out in midair. His job is to keep flying and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to take hold of him at just the right time. One of the flying modellers told Newen, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer's job is to wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. You know, sometimes one of the problems is, is we can fail in our waiting. We can try and get ahead of God. We wait and nothing seems to be happen, so we start to try and make things happen. We start trying to catch God instead of waiting for him to catch us. Waiting is an art. And in the time of waiting, timing 
is absolutely everything. And so we are to wait patiently. Henry Newman says this, he says, Waiting is a period of learning. The longer we wait, the more we hear about him for whom we are waiting. Waiting is not a static state. It's a time when God is working behind the scenes. And primarily, focus of his work is on us. I love Eugene Patterson's paraphrase of uh, Romans 8. He puts it like this. Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. I like that. might be a verse for Andrew and Jill at this uh, moment in time. We are enlarged in the waiting. So the first way, if we're going to be uh, good waiters... One of the characteristics we need to have is that of patience. How patient are you in the waiting? Are we like that guy in the queue who can't wait to get in and get on with things? There's people like that, isn't there? Who are impatient. Uh, they see waiting as a time of, of nothing happening. And uh, there's a sense in which we want things to happen. And so if God's not going to make things happen, then we'll do it for him. And we want to speed God on and make things happen quickly in our timing. And Advent gives us that moment to stop and to think and to prepare and to actually enter into the waiting. And waiting on God is what we're called to do. We're called to be patient in our waiting. But we do know that something is going to happen. The servants in the story are told to be dressed, ready for service, and to keep their lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. The servants know that the master is going to return. And so there is a sense in which, whilst patience is required, they're also in a sense of expectance. There is an expectancy that something is actually going to happen. We wait expectantly because we know that in Christ God has come to this world. And we know that one day in Christ God will return again. So there is an expectancy. It's not that we're waiting and nothing is happening and nothing is going to happen. We wait with that heightened sense of expectancy that something very special is about to happen. Tom Wright, talking about this, says this Jesus' warning in this passage begins with advice that was originally given to people going on a journey. The people who had to be properly dressed and ready for action were the Israelites getting ready for the sudden exodus from Egypt. You see, the servants waiting here, uh, the temptation would have been to go to sleep. It says that uh, they need to be ready and waiting, even if Jesus doesn't come back in the second or third watch of the night. We mustn't lose that sense of expectancy. And again, it's repeated, this idea of being ready. Be dressed ready. 
It'll be good for the servants whose master finds them ready. You must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This idea of being ready for Jesus' return is how we are to live. In the excellent book, The Visit by Adrian Plass, uh, one of the obvious things is, is that the people thought that they had prepared for Jesus' return, but they hadn't. And let me just read you another little extract. As for myself, I was looking forward to him coming, as long as it worked out alright, if you know what I mean. I was the organiser, a doer. My job was to keep the life of the church community tidy, make sure that the right people ended up in the right place doing the right things, and I enjoyed being good at it. Granted, I wasn't one of the super spiritual types, but I smiled and sang with the rest on a Sunday. And I seemed to be liked and respected by most people. God, well, I suppose my relationship with God was a little bit like marriage without sex if I'm honest. I never got close, but I worked hard and I felt I must have earned a small bedsit in heaven, if not a mansion. So my job was to organise the founder's visit, make sure it went smoothly and generally mastermind the whole event. Before long, I'd prepared a programme for the day of his arrival and even sorted out who he'd stay with. There was a little wrangling about who that should be. Somebody said it should be a person who was the same at home as they were at church. Someone else said in that case he'd have to stay in a hotel. But in the end, I just chose who it would be, and that was that. My main problem was that I wasn't able to contact him in advance to talk about the arrangements. All I actually knew, that he would arrive for the evening service on a particular Sunday. But I wasn't worried. In my experience, visitors were only too pleased to slot into a clear order of events. And I assumed that he, of all people, wouldn't want to rock somebody else's carefully balanced boat. Isn't it odd when you look back and remember thinking ridiculous thoughts like that? At the time, it seemed quite reasonable. I was so used to tying up loose ends, even then there weren't any to be tied sometimes, that it never occurred to me that somebody who embodied the very essence and spirit of creativity, as it were, might bring his own loose ends with him. Expectancy. Living in that sense of being ready. And sometimes we might think that we're ready when actually we're not. And the idea of Jesus returning uh, may make us want to change things. And if it does, there's something wrong in the way that we're living for Jesus. Because the reality is, we should live in that expectancy and that readiness. So that nothing would change because we're living as God wants us to live. It's not that in some day in the future uh, we'll sort things out and we'll put things right. Because that's how so many people live, isn't it? They think that one day in the future uh, they'll sort this problem out, they'll sort that relationship out, and uh, maybe they'll sort some their relationship with that we've got out. Someday in the future, but for now they're too busy doing other things that are far more important. We are called as the people of God to live with that expectancy. That Christ's return will come at that moment when we don't expect it. And the idea is that some people won't be ready. But we live in a state of ever readiness. Because we're living for Jesus. And so we wait expectantly. And then finally, um, how are we to wait? Well, we wait faithfully. 
Who then is the faithful and wise manager, Jesus goes on to say. Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. It will be good for those servants whom the master finds them. This This little uh, saying, I don't know if you noticed, is repeated three times in that short passage. It will be good for those servants who the master finds them watching in verse 37 when he comes. It will be good for the servants whose master finds them ready in verse 38. Even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. And it will be good... For those servants whose the master finds them doing in verse 43. It will be good for those servants. This is what a servant who's full of faith is about. It's somebody who's watching. Somebody who's aware of what's happening and always watching out for what God is doing. So many times people miss what God is doing. And the most frightening thing is... When we look at Jesus coming into the world, is that religious people of Jesus' day couldn't see what God was doing in Jesus Christ. The religious people of Jesus' day missed the biggest event of their life because they could not see God in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if we made that same mistake, that we didn't see what God was doing? Because we weren't watching with eyes of faith. We've all got a picture of what God was like. And the problem, of course, for the people in Jesus' day is that when Jesus came, he wasn't what was expected. The people of faith had been longing for the Messiah to come. There had been all these prophecies about the Messiah coming into the world. And when Jesus came, he didn't fit into their picture that they had formed themselves of what the Messiah was to be like. They were watching, but they didn't see. The reality is they weren't ready. And they certainly weren't doing what God wanted them to do. And you notice... Um, in the little parable, the little twist, in all Jesus' parable, there's always a kind of little twist in them, isn't there? That the parables don't actually kind of work out in the way that we would normally expect them to work out. And in this parable, it's certainly the case, because the parable is of a master, who is, of course, is the head of the house. And the servants are out, and the servants are to wait for the master's return. And of course, we would expect when the master returns, that the servants would wait upon him and serve him. And yet what Jesus says in the parable is this, that he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Because Jesus is the servant king. Jesus is the servant leader. Almost seems a a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? Servant king, servant leader. It doesn't quite kind of add up to our ways of thinking what what leaders and what kings are like. And yet this is how Jesus came into the world. Now the leaders in our society, in our world, are strong and domineering people, aren't they? They're loud and they say, this is what we're doing and this is where we're going and you follow me whether you like it or not. 
That's the sort of leadership that we have in this world. It's a secular kind of leadership. And yet Jesus brings this idea of the servant leader. This, the leader that comes and serves the people. And this is how Jesus lived his life. This is how Jesus uh, taught the disciples. He was the one who got on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. And he gives us this model which is so radically different than leadership and kingship in our world. And we are to follow. We are called to be servants. The servants in the story are Jesus' followers who are to be watching, who are to be ready and who are to be doing. We are called to that life of service and we are called to be servant leaders. He will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. And that's why it's good for those servants who are watching. It's good for those servants who are ready and it's good for those servants who are doing because they will be surprised by the leader and the king who comes because he will wait on them. So we are to be Waiting patiently. We're to wait expectantly. And we are to wait faithfully. And as we wait, we are to be patient. We are to be expectant. And we are to remain faithful. And just as we pause and we and we wait, I'm just going to give us a moment and we're going to play a, a song and some uh, images will appear on the screen. And just as this song plays and the images appears, just ask yourself this question, how do you wait? And what do you do while you're waiting?